Hello, and welcome to another episode of Yoga After Dark, your friendly neighborhood podcast. Um, today, I have the co-owner of Vera Yoga, Britt Shea Helliwell, with me. Um, how are you, dear? How are things? Good. Very good. Sitting in the sun today, which, of course, no one can see, but we all know that that feels good, so very good. <laughs> Excellent. So, a uh, little, little tiny bit of a backstory. Uh, Britt used to be the uh, owner of Sweat Yoga down in Chinatown, just south of Canal Street. And I met her through a mutual friend of ours and uh, because she was looking for a philosophy teacher. And so that is how we met. I started teaching philosophy for her. And um, then eventually you, you changed uh, studio names. Um, there was some changeover. And now you are Vera Yoga. Vera is the Italian word for true, for truth, uh, which I think is particularly nice. So, Britt, uh, you are actually the first non-Ashtangi for me to interview on the oh, podcast. Wow, that's a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't we, we're, we're really branching out. <laughs> um, <laughs> even though I know you have some experience with Ashtanga, um, I think you characterize yourself as not, an ash, ash, not a, cult, a card-carrying cult member, right? I am definitely not. I, that was where... I started my practice, but no, I would say these days and for the last 15 plus years, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't categorize myself as that. Great. So then, since you are, since you are non-Ashtangi, can you tell me what, what the yoga practice at Vera is all about and what it's like? Sure. Um, so it does actually nod back to the Ashtanga practice. Um, I grew up in, uh, outside of Detroit, um, in a small town called Birmingham, Michigan, uh, which has a wild, uh, yoga community, uh, for the Midwest. It's probably the highest concentration of yoga studios, like in the whole country outside of like New York and LA. Um, and really it's all, uh, it's all because of, um, uh, Johnny Kest, who was a student of David Williams. Um, and I believe his study with Patapi Joyce or maybe just interacted with him at some point in time. So definitely has some strong Ashtanga roots. Um, his brother, Brian is, is obviously much more famous than Johnny, but in mission, Johnny is a yoga rock star, <laughs> uh, whatever that means or whatever, you know? So, um, uh, you know, over the years, his evolution of the practice of leading a Mysore room in the mornings, um, and experiencing some of the freedom of practicing on your own, I think was something that he really took to, and then developed, frankly, like this much, uh, I don't want to say that Ashtanga is not accessible, but it can be a little intimidating. Um, so <laughs> I, I can agree with you on that. So okay. yeah. we can talk more <laughs> about that in a few minutes. <laughs> yes. Good. Um, and really he developed this practice that that took that feeling of having control of your practice, of course, you know, with the teacher, but, um, and, and sort of made it this thing that, that, uh, was a little more accessible to your average, like housewife in Michigan, frankly. Uh, and it became the studio. I grew up in the studio. I was there when he was just teaching Ashtanga. That's really my background. And then saw it sort of evolved into this other practice of moving on your own. Um, and then there 
you know, music sort of got brought into at some point and, and these sort of like big, powerful Dharma talks that were really based, uh, not always in the sutras, though sometimes yes, um, but in, in uh, different aspects of the world that he started to bring into this practice. So like my main teacher growing up to this day is still somebody who's super influential in my life. And we took a version of that and, and really brought it to New York. So we were sweat, which is a whole other story. We changed ownership. It, the name really changed, but nothing at the studio that we did changed so much. So it is an athletic practice for sure. Like we are physical yogis. There is no doubt about that. Um, and this whole like idea of how do you get somebody into the yoga room for the first time is really what we've held on to. Um, so yeah, if that's going to be because they're going to sweat or because like they like our playlist or because uh, it just feels really good. Like we have sort of owned that as our thing. And then we push people in other directions. Like, so, you know, go down the street to the Iyengar studio, go practice with you, you know, um, in an Ashtanga room or, you know, some of our teachers have an Ashtanga background as well. And um, we're the first step in. Uh, and for some people that will be the only step, they'll stick with the physical. They'll be like, oh, I feel so amazing. I don't really know why, but I feel amazing and that's okay. And then, you know, we'll push people in a little bit of a, a, a different direction. So, you know, when we, it's why philosophy is such an important part of our teacher training program, because honestly, our, most of our students in our teacher training program don't want to be teachers. They just want to know more about the practice because they know that they feel all magic. And, you know, they have that, the, the thing that, you know, keeps us coming back to the practice so often, and they want to know more. So philosophy was actually a really important thing for us. It continues to be, it, while you may not hear that much in our studios, um, you know, it's, it's for the students that just want, want to go deeper. Um, that was a really long winding answer that didn't say anything. We're a very loud, hot yoga studio at the end of the day. That's what we are. That was just, I think that's a very succinct answer to your question <laughs> that focuses on alignment and safe sequencing and all that kind of stuff. Like we're, we're really, we're very much into functional movement, but like we're a physical practice done. Great. Thank you for that. I, I like the long, windy answer, and I also appreciate the sum up at the end. I, I think that is super <laughs> important. So you've given, you've given me a lot of things to, uh, to, to lead you in very di various directions, and so I will try to uh, piece them out in a, in a cohesive manner. The first thing I want to discuss, because I, it's most fascinating to me, because of course I have my own opinions on it, um, what is intimidating about the Ashtanga Yoga method? And um, how do you make your method of doing things more accessible and more open? Oh, good questions. Okay, let's start. Tell me that your Mysore room is not intimidating. Tell me that it's not intimidating. I, I'm intimidating, just as just as a person. Okay. Like, you know. <laughs> I've known you for a couple of years now and you intimidate me. <laughs> exactly. And I don't know what it is. <laughs> I can't I can't put my finger on it, you know. I I don't view myself as intimidating, but I've been told it many times. So it's it's something I have to do some self-reflection on. But uh, yeah, well, the Mysore my, my room is definitely intimidating. I don't think being intimidating, I don't think intimidating is necessarily a bad thing. It comes from the fact that you're very studied and knowledgeable. Um, and for us, I mean, you, you do manage to take something that's re relatively complicated and make it accessible. You do that in the way that you teach philosophy. That is, that is very much your thing, whether or not you want to 
own up to that. You do. Um, but uh, it's why it worked so well for, for our students. But, um, you know, I, I'll take a, it's maybe I'll again, not really answer your question, which I guess is going to be the theme of our conversation today. Uh, you know, I, I was lucky to grow up in the yoga world in sort of the the 90s uh, in LA and in New York and in Michigan a bit as well. Um, and, you know, was brought to like some prominent teachers classes just because my dad was a big, was really into the practice. And that's, that was my connection to it as well. And, um, you know, there's this like, Yoga obviously draws, when we talk about the physical, it draws people that already have like a propensity to, that are already flexible, that already can have like, for sure, like if you, you're that super stiff guy that walks in the room and you're, we're, we're, you know, doing big deep binds and all that kind of stuff. Like they, people aren't drawn to that because they can't do it, but it, but, but it's, it is, it's intimidating. Like people's bodies don't necessarily make the shapes that, you know, uh, we do in the yoga room. And I think that's intimidating, especially in the Ashtanga practice. There's a lot of crazy shit in there. There really is like, especially, you know, the farther you go, the, the it's, it's difficult. And, um, and this idea that there's like sort of this, like all, you know, knowing, teacher that like sits there and studies and watches and like, you know, has, has all of this like information and they've devoted all this stuff. And like, I'm just like some fucking 30 year old, something New Yorker who's like kind of, you know, like, I, I don't know if that's, um, uh, <laughs> which is, which is exactly what I am. I just, you know, I just put on a good show. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've really done the work. I mean, and I have in certain acts, like I've done, multiple trainings and I can tell you a lot about anatomy and the body and all that kind of stuff. But like, I, you know, as many philosophy courses I've been in my life, I'm not in any, in any, uh, in any way qualified to, to teach that, frankly. Um, and I think that's what it is. I think that there's like this, this feeling of, um, of, uh, uh intimidation just because, you know, if we're talking about like yogis that are, uh, I don't know, like a little holier than thou in some ways. I think that that's sometimes what comes off, even though we know that that's not necessarily always the case. But there's there's a lot of that that happens in the yoga community of like, I know so much. I am the, you know, sort of like figure, the this, the that, that you have to, I don't know, bow down to or whatever the right word is. But like, there's a lot of that that happens. There's a lot of self-righteous yogis out there. A lot of really like narcissistic yogis. We we know that. We know that that's not what they're supposed to be, and that's not the practice. But like, tell me that that's not true. I cannot tell you that that's not true because it's <laughs> hitting the nail on the head. That is that is the absolute truth. That may be the one unending truth of our universe is that you know there are narcissistic, self-righteous yogis out there. <laughs> that may be the thing that never changes. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we all like, it's why people do teacher trainings. It's why people get in the practice. Like they just want to know about themselves. Like, <laughs> you know, I do think that there is this shift and there, are, there is like a deep, you know, yearning for a lot of people to want to help or want to teach or want to impart what they know. But like, I mean, in any 200 hour training, I've now overseen however many of them, like people just want to know about themselves. They want to know about their own practices. They want to know about their own philosophy. They want to know, you know, it's like when you, when you teach and so, and you have a, a student that's like, oh yeah, that's, I feel that, right? It's all about me. Like that's, that's what it is. And, and, um, 
I think for smart teachers and start smart students, we can figure out how to uh, step away from that a little bit. But a lot of people get really wrapped up in it. And, you know, and in yoga, that's a thing is like you walk in, it's quiet and there's incense and there's like, you know, chimes in the background and there's like this kind of Zen person. It's really intimidating. That's not a Changa necessarily in general. That's just yoga as a whole. You know, that's, that's not Ashtanga, but, um, you know, the shapes in Ashtanga, I think are, are intimidating. I really do. Oh, totally. Totally. And now that we have, now that we have, um, Instagram and everything else to promote our shapes, it's even, it's even more so, you know, and, uh, especially when we have, we have, a we can post like a really crazy, you know, back bend or my leg behind my head or something like that. And then I can write, when I started, I couldn't touch my toes, you know, which is bullshit, obviously. You know, when I started yoga, I couldn't touch my toes. Um, so, uh, but, uh, so, you know, when you walk into, well, or I shouldn't say when you, when I walk into Vera Yoga, I, I'm really always amazed. Your front desk staff is so friendly mm-hmm. and, and with it. And you have the most adorable dog there. And everyone <laughs> is sitting around and chatting and having a good time. It feels like a very welcoming, you know, space. And, and a space that you can just kind of glide into and, you know, be yourself. And if you want to talk with some people, you can. And if you don't and you want to mind your own business and go sit in the room, you can do that too. How... How did you manage to create that? Because that does not create all by itself. That takes some effort. No, that's very deliberate. Um, You're right. That's very deliberate. And it's really nice to hear you say that because that's kind of, to us, that's actually more important than honestly any of the rest of it. Um, um, You know, it comes a little bit from that. You know, I, I tell this story all the time before we opened. I practiced at the same studio in New York for 10 years. And every single time I would come in, I mean, daily, I was there all the time. And then every time I would come in, the manager would be like, and what's your name? And <laughs> I'm like, I was there the day they opened and I was there the day they closed. And until the day they closed, I mean, she still would ask me that. And I just was like, and that, that wasn't the case. It was actually a really lovely community and the teachers knew me. And, you know, I mm-hmm. obviously have people, friends that I had made over the years there, many who practice with us now, like it, it wasn't that all around. It was just this thing where I'm like, how the fuck do you not know my name every time I come in? <laughs> and when we talk about this sort of like intimidating thing that like yoga has, I think that that's a big part of it is like, it's, it's a big deal for people to walk in the room the first time and to, you know, be unfamiliar with, with what they're, what they're going to do and to connect to their breath. And it's like, it is, a, it's obviously, it is a deeply personal practice. I mean, I make fun of that, but like it is, it's a, it's a self, it's a self-study, right? We know that. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard for people. Um, it's really hard to, to take that first step and to decide that that's something that's going to be important. So we just wanted to do everything we could to make it feel like there were no barriers to that, that everybody was kind of in the same boat that, you know, whether you're going to sit there and just breathe because the room is hot, you know, that that's enough. Or if you're working on your chin stand, then great, go for it. Like that all of that has space in, in our room. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's New York, like it's, it's, it's rough, right? It's, it's rough right now for sure, but it's, it's generally, it can be a difficult place to be. And we just wanted to create something that felt like it was a real, um, kind of like just break from the rest of it. So we're annoying. We are annoyingly friendly. Yes. Our front desk is, is told to be annoyingly friendly. It is something that we have 
developed over the years and the language that we use with our teachers and, and how they address the room is annoyingly welcoming so much so <laughs> that I, you've taken our classes before, like, yes, you I know, know, we're, it's a, uh, uh, you know, my stricter teachers have a little bit of a Nyangar ish ground as well. Uh, they're not so forgiving, not a lot of, yoga, you know, there's a lot of more traditional yoga teachers that are not so forgiving. We are the most forgiving. We are the most, um, uh, sort of, you know, we give the most permission, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, like we're, my husband and I own the studio, so we are, we're there, we're really present owners. I would say we're there all the time. Um, and we talk to people and we really want to know our students. I mean, let's be honest, like nobody makes any money off of yoga. That's not it. Like it's a business, but that's not the point. Like it's this very fulfilling project. I still have a full-time job. I, you know, I work some, I do something totally different. Um, uh, the whole reason why we're, we're there is because we want to connect. So. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I want, I want our listeners to, to know that, that you, that you don't get into the, into the yoga business to make money. It's, it's not something that's done. Um, and, uh, and yoga is a, is a pyramid formation. It's a triangle. You know, there are many, many people on the bottom that make very little. And there are just a few people at the very top, at the pinnacle of the pyramid that do make good money and quite a lot of money on the yoga business. Um, often those people are, are not, um, teachers of yoga. Often those are people that are in the, the yoga industry, whether it be, you know, mm-hmm. designing and producing mats and blocks and stuff, or it be a landlord type of activities or whatever. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, the yoga teachers out there in the world are not, are not raking in the dough. And uh, I don't personally know anyone who's gone into the yoga business to, uh, to make the cash. <laughs> that would be a poor decision if that was, you know, and we do have to have those conversations when people are like, but I want to be a full-time yoga teacher. I'm like, okay, well, how are you willing to live? And if it, if, you know, if those things match up, then that's great. But if you're expecting to keep your, you know, big apartment in Soho, that yeah. may not work. <laughs> no, I, I remember when I did my first teacher training, when, when I was studying, um, uh, the director of the teacher training, we all had like little individual meetings with her and I was asking some questions and she said, you won't make any money on yoga. That's just how it is. And, and she was a, she was a professional dancer. She's like, look, I'm a dancer and I'm telling you, you won't make any money on yoga. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you have it. Um, <clears throat> Uh, I want to ask you, uh, uh, switch gears ever so slightly, um, just because you've mentioned teacher training a few times and, and you've, you've talked about it in such a, such a lovely way, because I do think having experience with your students, that most of them are there to learn more about themselves and to learn more about the practice and not there specifically to become a yoga teacher mm-hmm. and this is this is one of my huge personal pet peeves in the in the yoga world right now um, is that I feel like we the yoga industry has been pigeonholed into the idea of the teacher training instead of the program to just you know 
get more information for yourself, to just dive in deeper for yourself. And honestly, I don't know what you would call that, you know, but I do think that most, most people that are taking teacher trainings are not, their goal is not to become a yoga teacher. Mm. So what, what are your feelings on that? Like, is there, is there something that could be done to separate out this from, from actual learning to be a yoga teacher? Cause there's so much that goes on in a teacher training that I would think someone who is there to learn more about their own practice wouldn't really have a huge interest in, honestly, you know, um, yeah, I mean, we we've talked about this with uh, in regards to Yoga Alliance, which that we can that can be a whole other conversation. Yeah, we can we can have several more podcasts about Yoga Alliance. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I with what they're doing, I guess, in upping the hours or upping the in, you know the classroom hours for for two hundred hours a start. Yeah. But I mean, we we all know like no one who graduates a 200 hour teacher training is equipped. It doesn't matter how great the teacher training is, is equipped to go out and really teach. Now that's not, that's not true actually. And I've heard you say this before and I'm in the same boat. You're, you're equipped to teach certain things to certain groups of people, right? We all are tomorrow. You know, you're an expert in something unrelated to yoga that you could go teach someone. I um, am as well. I make really great, you know, tomato sauce. I could teach someone. (laughs) You know, and I have never taken a, a class to do that, but I'm pretty good at it. So I but, could, you, I could do but that. maybe you should do that now that, you know, you have access to Zoom and you could do that for, for your community. I think that's really wonderful. I've done a couple cooking classes for my students. No, I love that. I think that's, I, that has actually been the cooking classes, some of the cooking classes that have come up. I've seen you and a couple other people do that. Actually, is my, my favorite thing. I think that's come out of COVID, if, there, if that's a possible <laughs> thing to say. Um, but, um, you know, we actually talked about this at some point in time and then, you know, we are a business that does have to cover expenses and pay people and pay rent and all that kind of thing. So ultimately we didn't do it, but I wanted to rename our 200 hour, not a teacher training as just a, like a deep dive, you know, mm-hmm. um, because it's truly like, it's, it's been so interesting. I mentioned this before, but you just see, you've been a part of, uh, you know, probably you can't even count how many 200 hours and you teach uh, part of a 300 hour as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That in your 200 hour, it really is. It's like people are coming there because they are searching for something like they know that they need a little bit more, maybe just in this could be my community because you know, we're a specific type of yoga that is type a athletic, blah, 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 blah. They're looking for a workout. And then they realize that like, there's something else there. Um, so we really do get people that are, you know, in their twenties and their thirties, they have a job, maybe it's okay, but they want something else in their lives. And this is the first step into that is like this kind of, you know, deep dive. It really is a deep dive. Um, but if you, you know, it's so interesting even listening to like questions that you think are somewhat basic, right? Um, or looking at like sequencing, which I know for us, Chanka is obviously not a, not a thing, but for us is like we, <laughs> we spend a lot of time on sequencing, on how how to put together classes, how to move from one shape to the other in a way that is safe and effective and is and is doing something for you. Um, and you forget, you know, for us who've been practicing for a really long time or teaching for a long time how basic in the beginning some of those questions are. You know, like we spend 
hours in a 200 hour breaking down a down dog, you know, which some, you know, students have been practicing for 10 years or, you know, and they come in and they, and they still don't really understand their, their body in that relation. So that for me is what it, it what it really is. And then, you know, you kind of got to go away and teach for a little while and see bodies and see what people do. And, you know, there's definitely as much as we all want to think you're, we're unique. Like you probably could name the top 10 things you see in a yoga room. That's, you know, consistent across the board, right? There's a lot of, a lot of that. And then you got to go back and you got to study again, like having that knowledge of having been in the room and having been able to, to sort of see things and, and, and it starts to click and then you go do another one. And then, you know, you get a little bit more aware of those things. And it's just, yeah, this whole like sort of systemized thing. I don't know what the right answer is, but I can tell you that like 200 hour teachers are just not that ready to do a whole lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think this is answering the question, but it's, you know, it's years and years and years of like deep, deep practice and getting on your own mat and understanding, you know, um, what your own experience is relative to these things. And so many 200 hours, they just want to come in, they want you to give the information and they want to go and like regurgitate it and think that that's going to be something. And it's not, you have to process. So I don't think people process in a three month period when they're doing it. We do, you know, weekends, they, you just, there's not enough time to process anything. It's going to take years to, to get to that point. Um, how was that for a roundabout non-answer to the question? That was a great roundabout. It was, I think it was actually an answer. And I, and I think it hits on the thing that, uh, that I go over <clears throat> every time I teach for you, which is that y- you have to um, learn your yoga in digestible bits. Uh, a teacher training is, is like eating uh, a you know, seven-course meal in the space of a half an hour. You know, you're, ju- you're just stuffing as much food into your face as possible and you're, you're over full. You're not going to be able to digest all the nutrients out of that food. And so much of it, unfortunately, is going to go through and go to waste. Um, if you expand the amount of time you have to ingest that information, then it, it becomes digestible. But we are, we are in a bit of a pickle that people, people really enjoy the quick fix and people sure. want things done quickly. And also, as, as you noted, you, you are a business. You have a payroll to meet. You have rent to meet, all of these other things. And so you've got, you've got to bring in that money as well, which brings us back to the yoga is not a good way to make money. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, we do teacher training because we really started our teaching training program, which wasn't something that we ever really thought about in the beginning is is two things. First of all, because our teachers wanted to teach more. Really, that was it. Like they wanted to go deeper. They didn't want to just teach like yoga aerobics. They wanted, they wanted to actually teach the things that they know and they study. So our, our program is very much like one of, um, Kira Michelle who teaches with me, who you've met, uh, Australian girl with all the tattoos, um, who really leads the, leads the program with me, uh, you know, she, uh, she's, uh, has a deep, deep meditation practice and has studied with, she's, she's a pretty amazing, incredible instructor altogether. Um, but that's really her thing. So we, we have a pretty hefty meditation section in our 200 hour, which many don't, because that is what she specializes in. Um, so we really kind of have, have created a program 
to reflect what our teachers are uh, uh, studying. Mm -hmm. So you, you might not get, we don't, we don't talk much about, um, we were just talking about this. We used to have like a mudras and a deities section, which like none of our teachers actually really teach or have that much experience in. And I was like, I feel like I had to do this to round it out, but yet it's not reflective of what it is. So like, let's just not do it because there'll be someone else that can teach that so much better than we can. Let's stick to the things that we know. Um, so it really weirdly started as like an outlet for our teachers, <laughs> who just, you know, which is like weird. Uh, but it also like, you know, and we keep talking about it, but like another way for them to, to, you know, another revenue stream for them, which is always hard. So we, we wanted to, you know, a big thing for us is creating sustainable careers for our teaching staff. Um, you know, we're, we're in the middle of, of COVID right now. We opened a second studio the week that we actually shut the studio all at the same time. Um, and uh, as part of that, we brought on, we brought on three teachers as salaried employees, which was like one of our goals. It was a really important thing for us. Like we want to create careers for people. Entertaining mm -hmm. um, became a part of that. You know, it was like, if we do a couple of these a year, then that allows us to actually create, you know, uh, uh, a way for our, our teachers to not be running around to 5,000 different studios and teaching, you know, 20 classes a week. Cause that's not sustainable. We all know that we've all done that and that doesn't work. So that was a big part of it as well. That's a weird reason to say that, by the way, we all love doing it and you know, it's amazing <laughs> to watch people go through it, but it, yeah, it was a little self-serving <laughs> in the beginning. But I, but I think that's, I think that's absolutely beautiful what you're doing because you are, you're serving a community. You are, you're serving, various communities you're serving your students in one way but you're also serving your your teachers in in another way and uh you know as someone who's been a yoga teacher for over 10 years um there is a lot of runaround and we're all we're all basically self-employed we're all basically independent contractors every once in a while someone's lucky enough to get some sort of gig where they're actually getting a, a w-2 form and they're an actual employee but that is that is the rarity um and so to hear that someone is is really looking to to give people the opportunity to make a career for themselves in this business instead of being uh put under the the gig worker umbrella and of course, more and more of our, our, of our society are becoming gig workers now. It's a, it's a more popular thing to do. And I think it is more feasible than it used to be. Uh, but it, you still, we simply do not have the protections that a normal employee does, you know, benefits wise, financially, et cetera. Um, no, it's really hard. I mean, you know, you take a week vacation, you just don't get paid. Like that's yeah. not you know, it's a, it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing. Um, and it's not, you know, I see it so much, especially because we have a lot of young, you know, younger teachers, uh, teaching with us or people that have, you know, had been teaching for a year and then they started with us. We have a couple people like that and now they've been teaching for four or five years and they're, you know, a little bit more solid or that kind of thing. But you run around and the burnout thing is so, so real. Like, people just, and you see it in the room and it's like, people are just exhausted. The teachers are exhausted because they're teaching a thousand, a thousand times and they got to commute and they're on the Upper West Side and then they're in Tribeca and then they're in Zumbo. And it just doesn't, I mean, from a business perspective too, if you look at it like that way, I'd rather my teachers not do that 
feel like they have a, a minute to take a break and to be invested in what we're doing. You know, like it's, it's, there's that too. Like if you're teaching at seven different studios, which a lot of young, you know, teachers are who are hustling and trying to make this a full-time thing, there's no real, you don't care what happens at one place or the other. Like, you know, this way it works for us too, where it's like, we wanted, you know, we wanted partners. We wanted the community thing really that you, you talked to, you mentioned in the beginning, like that was so important for us when we did open the second studio for three days, um, <laughs> it was actually, it was six days. Uh, we, we basically just took our staff and, and we didn't, we brought one new person in, but we mm-hmm. took everybody and we just doubled their schedules and put them there. Um, so that they, uh, you know, and then worked to rearrange what they were doing so that it hopefully was a little bit easier. It, it's good for your business too. Like you want people that care as much as you do. And with the whole 1099 thing, no one will ever care that much. They right. just won't. Right. Um, and I can't, I can't tell you how much it means that you're, that you're saying this right now. Uh, because I think it's something that is, is not said very often in our community. And I, you know, we started towards the beginning of this conversation talking about how comfortable it feels to walk into your studio and how friendly and how welcoming it is. And, and you gave me, you know, a long, a long answer to it. But I think the answer is actually right there what you just said. You take care of the people that are teaching there. You take care of the people that are working there. And so they have a they have a vested interest in being there, and they have a vested interest in that space being a beautiful space, being an open space, being a comfortable space. Um, and and I just don't see that being done in in many other places. I mean, I'll say this: like, you know, the financials of a studio, studio yoga studios operate on very small margins. Yeah. So even if they're bringing in a fair amount of money, what they're actually making off of that is not very much. It's why right now, you know, in the current climate, we're going to see a lot of studios shut, frankly, or try to have to dig themselves out of this because there's just not like years and years of profit that have been (laughs) put away. Like it's a pretty small, it's a pretty small amount. Um, So, you know, at one studio, we weren't able to do that. We weren't able to bring people on in that capacity. you know, we opened the second one, which God willing will open its doors another day. And, and really the idea was to open one more to be done at three, because then you can give people a full schedule. You can give them more. We, we don't, we don't um, uh, provide benefits right now, even though we've got salaried employees, just because it, we haven't figured it out, to be honest. We've been trying to figure that out for years uh, and whether our employees were salaried or not we wanted to offer that. That was something that's been really important to Wade and I as we've, as we figured out business, because like how do, how do people who are supposed to be responsible for health and wellness not have health insurance, you know, don't have an accessible, like it, it blows my mind. Is, it, actually- is, every, is everyone out there in the, in the ether space listening? The people, <laughs> the people teaching the yoga, the people theoretically who are, who are responsible for making you a healthier person, they are the people that do not have health insurance. Just, just so you know that, it's, that is a true thing. And it's gotten a little better over the past, you know, 10 years, I yeah. guess. But uh, it's not options. But it's, it's not, not good. good. <laughs> it's not great. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not the same as working for some big corporate company that's going to supply you with, you know, Aetna or something like that. It's, it's definitely not the same. 
you know, and Yoga Alliance doesn't offer any plan, which blows my mind. It should be the one thing that they do is offer right. health insurance. Right. Who is going to start the letter writing campaign? And I want it to be a letter writing campaign, not an emailing campaign. That's too easy. I want stamps and, and, and paper and a pen. Dear yeah. Yoga Alliance, where is the health insurance? Like, come on, that, that, isn't that something you want some sort of trade organization to do? Doesn't that make sense? Am I crazy? It should be their one thing. And it is like in my, in my life, if it's not them, that is like my one goal is to somehow figure out some way that, you know, that becomes more accessible for teachers. Um, because I know it's like, you know, just not to keep belaboring the same point, but teachers don't make that much money. So like, are they really going to go out there and spend, you know, an extra couple hundred dollars a month on a plan if they're somewhat young and healthy? Well, we all know you're young and healthy until something happens and then you're kind of fucked. So, right. and then you're old like me and then it's all <laughs> over. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's that whole idea of, of, of just trying to create some sustainability in a, in the, in the market. And it's, you know, um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's been something that's, that's, that was important to us uh, the whole way through. So we, we, you know, we keep trying to figure out ways to, to take care of people. We, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've actually kept our salaried teachers on during COVID, which kind of how we're doing that. I don't know, but we're working really hard too. And um, good for you. You know, it's just, uh, it's, it's, I'd rather, I'd rather uh, like I'll, I'll fight it out with my landlord you know, so I'd rather <laughs> anything go into them. And, and yeah, I, I also want to say though, by the way, because yeah. I sound like really like just mother Teresa, <laughs> we're not, <laughs> <laughs> we're really not, you know, you, like, like I get in arguments with people. I like have a temper and I lose it. And then I have to come back to, you know, who I am at my core and all that kind of stuff. Like we, we really try to do well, but like by no means are, are we, or try to, yeah, to do, to do well with people. We're flawed <laughs> and we <laughs> fucked up a thousand times and we've gotten into, you know, things with teachers over the years where like, I would say it would have been a mistake and whatever it was like, we've learned a lot and also just sort of like reevaluated what we, what the purpose of this whole thing is. So, but like, I still get, I still do a lot of stuff that's not all, you know, whatever. And believe me, one day I would love for the studio to be able to provide me with a paycheck as well. Like that there is, there's no like, let's just not, I never want to, um, you're not a goody two shoes. No, <laughs> not. So like it sounds, I just didn't ever want, it's like, there's plenty of people that know me that would listen to this and be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like she, she's a lot. <laughs> Aid and my husband is like the calm, like lovely, like, you know, grew up like his mom is like this amazing, like, you know, tree hugging hippie. I grew up with like lawyers, like this is not, you know, that's, that's not it. We come from a different place. So, um, just, uh, that's, and that really like, it does come back also to like the ethos of our studio is that we try to be transparent and, and not pretend to be something that we're not right. You right. all know that teacher that like, I used to practice at Jivamuzi when I first lived in New York and there was a teacher I used to go to all the time, every single one of her classes. She talked about veganism because of like, cause it's a big thing there at Jivamuzi yes. obviously. And and it was such a big early 2000s. Jiva Mukti was bumping. Jiva oh, Mukti yeah, was. It was. <laughs> the spot, you know? Um, and, uh, and I remember being out one night and I saw the teacher with like a glass of wine 
and like a steak in front of her. And I was like, come on, come Aww. on. <laughs> you know? And it's like, you, you see stuff like that and you're just like, ah, oh, just call it what it is. You know, like maybe you're on the path and you stepped off of it for a minute. That's okay. Like that's going to help somebody so much more than just like this big over preaching thing, which. Yeah. I was, you know, interestingly enough, I was just talking about that last night. Uh, I was talking to my students about the, uh, the third chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, which mm -hmm. is the chapter on karma yoga. And there is a, there's a shloka in there about, about the, the hypocrite yogi. Um, and, I, and I happen to have the copy of my Gita right here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just so you know, I'm also not Mother Teresa, and I don't usually have the copy of the Gita right next to me. But I mean, you just pulled that right out of, right like that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, um, this is from chapter three. It's shloka number six. Uh, and uh, the translation, uh, or at least the one I'm reading, which is uh, Winthrop Sargent's translation of the Bhagavad Gita, is... Uh, he who sits restraining his organs of action while in his mind brooding over the objects of the senses with a deluded mind is said to be a hypocrite. So those of us that pretend, those of us that put the, uh, the outward face on that says, look at me, I'm pure, I'm settled, I've solved all my problems, but on the inside, we have those roiling uh, feelings of anger and lust and greed. We are, we are the great hypocrites. So I, I, think it's a, I think it's much better to just be transparent, no? That's all I, I mean, that's all I can offer, right? Like I, I think that, um, and you tell me, like you, with, with your students, like I, I say this all the time, and it's a little whatever, but like nobody walks in their yoga mat because they have their shit together. Everybody walks in their yoga mat because they're kind of fucked up, right? I'm, so, I'm pretty sure all my students know that I don't have my shit together. Like I think they're <laughs> they're very aware of that. <laughs> but this is but this is why you practice, right? This is yeah. why you connection. It's this constant, um, you know, striving isn't the right word. That's not that's not it. But it's this constant sort of like step back. I just, why, why did you, I mean, what drew you so much into philosophy? Because you can be, you can run in my store room and not be as deep into the philosophy world as you are. Like, why did that become part of your life? Why did philosophy become part of my life? Yeah, I know you've spent a lot of time studying, um, actually, and, and, and I know for you too, it wasn't originally that you wanted to teach. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Um, uh, I can't, <laughs> I can't do anything for, uh, I can't do anything on the surface. I have a very difficult time with that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a dive deep type of person, uh, which has its pluses and also has its minuses, you know, mm -hmm. because let's take uh, tomato sauce making, for instance, you know, I'm not going to just buy a bottle of tomato sauce and make dinner and be done with it. And, you know, that's, that's what my mother used to do when I, when I was a kid. Um, 
I, I have to learn how to make tomato sauce from a real Italian person, you know, and, and then, and that's what I'm doing right now, I have to go and learn how to actually grow tomatoes and harvest the tomatoes myself and do, like, I'm just incapable of doing anything without obsessing over it. And so it came the same way with, with yoga. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in Ashtangi, so I'm in, a, I'm in a very physical world. And probably if I had taken to, you know, Iyengar first, I would be like uh, an anatomy aficionado. Um, mm-hmm. Because that would have been the direction I would have been led. Um, they, you know, the Iyengars know, know their philosophy, definitely. But they're, they're very, you know, they really go into the anatomy of the body. And so I probably would have gone that direction. Um, but I, I wasn't an Iyengar person. I was an Ashtanga person. So now I, I don't know where your paraformis is. Um, but you know, I can tell you about the yoga sutras, about the Bhagavad Gita, about all of these other things, because that is the, the direction I, I was drawn. And then I just, because of the teachers I had, I dug deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And that was my, that's, that's, that's just the way I, I do things. Okay. So then. I actually don't know the answer to this question. Why, why how, what drew you to yoga in the first place? Oh, well. What was your little bit of fucked up? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the thing that drew, drew me to yoga in the first place was the, the mystical nature of the whole thing, oh. the mystery surrounding it. Um, I was drawn to yoga as a, as a teenager like 13, 14 years old. Um, and I didn't, mind you, I didn't have a consistent practice until I was like 20-ish. Um, but, you know, my first introductions were, were back when I was 13, 14. And what was fascinating to me was all the, all the like occult behind it the reading minds, the levitation, all the superpowers that are, that are listed in the third chapter of the Yoga Sutras. Like, that's what I found really fascinating. I had a very vivid imagination as a child. I still do. Um, and so that's, what, that's, I think, what actually got me into it was this, this mystery. And I come from a really tiny town where everyone is kind of homogenous. And uh, so that it was something different and it was something that no one else did. You know, it was like my little special thing. That's, that's what really got me, got me there. Was there a studio there? Like, where was your first class? Because there wasn't my, YouTube. My first yoga class was at a summer camp. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That was, that's where I first, like, started to actually do yoga. Unless you count um, the really early morning PBS yoga show that used to happen that's right because right. <laughs> that used to happen <laughs> um so so actually Britt, you you beat me to the punch um i end the podcast with four questions okay. and the first question is do you have anything you want to ask me so you just you just did that congratulations you win um so we'll move on to question number two okay. um and that question is what do you think is the best thing about how society practices yoga today? Oh, I mean, I've answered this one, I think. It's the community. 
Great. It's the people that you meet. It's the people that walk into your room consistently every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or every day or whatever it is. It's the people that I see again and again and again. It's just the connection. It's the, it's the in-person connection. It's why all these digital classes that we're all teaching these days uh, are working because they have to. But to me, like just not anywhere near the things that we've created and in your spaces where you teach and where and in my studios, like it's a community period. Beautiful. It's can just, you know, let's be honest. It's gymnastics most days. Like it is. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> it's gymnastics, but you get to have a chat at the end. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the thing is like, you know, it's the, the best part mostly like when I'm teaching or when I'm in my own studio is, is being in the locker room. I mean, and, yeah. You know, it's, it's those, it's those conversations that are, that are, that's the reason, you know? Great. Um, what do you think is most lacking about how we practice yoga today? Oh God, we could have a whole other conversation on this. Um, I think it's consistency. Mm. I think it's consistency. I mean, it's, it's within Ashtanga practice, I will, will say, obviously the fact that there are these measures that you can kind of see and that you come in and there is the same thing that's there day after day after day. And you can see what happens, you know, in my studio and the way we teach vinyasa, you know, I'm very much into repetition, but the reality is, is that, you know, just because we work on cross pose one day and then, you know, next week the student expects that they're going to be able to do that. It's, it's just not the way that it ever happens. So I would say in terms of anything, it's like we, I have these conversations all the time of like, Oh, I can't do this or my breath. It's, it's, it's hard for me to concentrate on my breath. And then, you know, and I'm like, Oh great. You know, what do you, what does your practice look like right now? And it's like, Oh, I come in once every two weeks. I'm like, well, <laughs> and it's not going to, it's not going to happen for you. <laughs> whatever, whatever it is you're going for. If it's asana, if it's, if it's a more concentrated, you know, breath pattern, if it's a, if it's, you know, a, a calmness of the mind, whatever you're looking for, you got to do it every day or close to it. Consistency is the law is the, is the short answer. <laughs> cool. Um, and then finally, uh, where do you see the yoga scape in uh, 10, 20 or 30 years? What's the future hold? Oh, you may not like the answer to this one. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I think we've seen in the in the last few years more studios like mine that are this little this kind of like hybrid of a you know yoga workout whatever it is um you know I, we, I saw last week yoga works is closed is closing all their locations in in new york they closed soho uh, in the last month and now they've, they've shut the other two as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and yoga works was kind of like the, the gold standard, I think for a long time, Jiva Mukti, same thing, right? Jiva Mukti is not open anymore. Um, you know, uh, my teachers where I've studied, I know that they struggle a little bit and they've got a more traditional practice. Um, those studios are, are having a hard time. Kula closed one of their studios. Like, I mean, you just keep going and going and going and going. A lot of the places where I grew up and learned the practice, frankly, are, are struggling um, because there are these, like, music playing, you know, classes. Um, but, I'll, but, I'll, but I'll say, and obviously I'm doing it, so it's, it's meaningful to me, is, is, is that 
I can fit, and I we do in in normal circumstances, fifty five people in a room multiple times a day, and I would much rather, you know, uh, for now, for me, like my role in this whole world, mm-hmm. have those people come in, have a percentage of those say, I want a little bit more. Where can I go? And I send people to other studios and other teachers all the time when they want that, or we're developing too as our community develops and offering more things. Um, but I think it's going to get, it already is. It's getting, it's getting, it's getting bigger. And a lot of the tradition is being stripped of it. And I really hope that the studios that are in that world, and I, we hope to carry this on as well, will always point back to that and point the people that want that, um, in the right direction. You know, it's, 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 you can't argue that the, that, that the asana part of yoga is, super beneficial to a lot of people, even if they're not, even if they're not interested in anything else. So I'm happy to provide that. Um, and I do think that that's where it's moving. Mm-hmm. We just got those of us who are the ones that are kind of pushing that forward need to make sure that we stick to our lineage and our roots so that it doesn't get lost. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a sad way to end this. <laughs> sad. I think that's lovely. I think, I think you just said more and more people practicing yoga and if there's more practicing, then you're going to have more people who also want to dive deeper into it, you know? Yeah, I do. And I hope that that's, that's it, you know, and it's, it's our responsibilities to like keep those things alive, to keep, you know, robust philosophy programs in our teacher trainings, to keep, you know, uh, holding events at our studios where people can come in when they want more and, and, um, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, <laughs> that's where it's going. That's great. Well, well said. Wait, can I ask you? I, can I one more? Can I? Where do you yeah. think it's going? Where do I think it's going? Oh, I have I have a very doomsday view of the whole thing. Great. Um, let's end. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it is I think it is going to pull further and further away from from tradition, honestly, and I think people are going to develop more and more intelligent excuses for getting away from from traditional yoga practices um, and and blending them with more and more stuff. I think you'll see that in 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 one direction. You mean and, on the physical side? I'm sorry. You mean on the physical side or more on the on, on the philosophical side? Both. 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 Yeah. And I think, and I think that you will see another group of people go in the exact opposite direction, and they will become like traditional fanatics, um, and it will end up being just like our political system. Uh, we'll have a bunch of people on the right, and we'll have a bunch of people on the left, and there just won't be that many of us in the in the center or center leaning anymore. Um, and then we'll have to we'll have to watch our. Uh, our politics for the next few years to see how that implodes on itself to get an idea of how our, our yoga scape will eventually implode on itself. But I do think there will be some sort of implosion. Uh. (laughs) Lots to look forward to. (laughs) (laughs) Lots to look forward to. I'm, I'm really excited about it. (laughs) Well, on that note, Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for taking the time out because I know you're still you're still actually quite busy even even during this uh, crazy crazy time. There's uh, no such thing as, as uh, closing a studio and just being quiet, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah. yeah. So thank you so much for taking this time. And um, yeah, that's all. Thanks. <laughs>